Content Warning, Discussions of Drugs and Death. Hello and welcome to the Billy Shears Club. I'm your host, Caleb Clark, and with me today we have the lovely Shannon Clark. Hi, Mom. How are you doing today, Mom? Doing alright. How about you? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Well, today, folks, we've got two lovely albums. We Thanks. Today we've got two lovely albums for you, folks. we got Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by The Beatles and Amplified Hearts by Everything But The Girl. Uh, why don't you start us off with some of that Beatles music and their indoctrination of the Utes, Ma. All right. Well, everybody is familiar with The Beatles, right? Who hasn't heard of The Beatles? Um, I didn't know. I've never heard of The Beatles. Oh, come on. I um I don't know a whole lot, you know, of like details of their history. Everybody's got images in their head of them when they came to the states and were so popular, you know, with their bowl cuts and their suits. Um, Sergeant Peppers is from the later era when they were more into the Eastern religions and they're playing the. Uh, you know, the Middle Eastern instruments, some of these songs. Uh, it was actually released not long after I was born. So they were even before my day, which was a long, long time ago. I first heard this album actually in the 80s when I was in college. Uh, a friend of mine gave me a tape. That's what you used to do in the 80s was record music for people on cassette tapes. So this particular tape had the White Album on one side and Sgt. Pepper's on the other side. And I actually prefer the White Album, but I picked Sgt. Pepper's for this show because of your reference in the title of your show, The Billy Shears Club. So as since we have that, uh, we are with the Kindred Spirit English majors, I wanted to do the album that had the, the reference in the name of your show. Oh, thank you very much. Beatles don't yeah. sue me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll go ahead and get right into it then. Let's see. Okay. All right. Do you prefer uh, track by track or like favorites and least favorites? Well, I have. I tried to be very prepared, Caleb. I, mean, I haven't done so much homework in a long, long time. I did. I did kind of go. Um, I have notes on it, track by track, but we don't we don't really have to do it that way. Uh, I guess overall, mainly, what I like about this album, like I said in my note to you, I really do like concept albums. I guess they can be uh, corny, but I like that. I think about a frame, you know, like um, like the Canterbury Tales, all the all the pilgrims on their way. And you've got that frame, and that's sort of like what a concept album is to me. Uh, there was like Emmy Lou Harris. Uh, your listeners probably don't like country music, but I had an old cassette of hers, Ballad of Sally Rose, you know, and every song was sort of about this character, Sally Rose. And I like that about album. You know, you're at the concert. Um, so you've got, and it gets, so some songs are even more interesting in that sense, like, uh, Mr. Kite is not my favorite song, but I like the whole circus theme 
And I like that here you have uh, the Beatles being Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and then advertising for this other performer, Mr. Kite. So I like that aspect of it, you know, where you're kind of pulled into this world. Um, let's see. What else was neat to me? I think I also mentioned to you um, Fixing a Hole. I like that song, that juxtaposition of the home repairs and your mental state. Fixing a hole where the rain comes in and keeps my mind from wandering where it will go. Uh, that I like that. It's a little, little bit poetic there. I like uh, She's Leaving Home. Like I say, I, I got this first. I listened to this first when I was in college, and I was the one leaving home or trying to leave home. And because I went to college in, in town and pretty much lived at home for undergrad, but I was the one wanting to leave home, you know. And this is kind of the difference between the the grown child wanting to get out of the house and do something fun and the parents who feel like they made her life wonderful and why would she ever leave you know so now I'm, I'm hearing it from the perspective of a parent and what that feels like for for the child to go so that was that was interesting to listen to that, that distance between my 20s and my 50s uh let's see i think i told you also some of it i, I don't like as much it's you know, it's not like it's all my favorite songs of all time. That Within You and Without You is just weird. The lyrics are weird. The music is not appealing to me. So they're not all my favorite. It was kind of funny, the contrast between songs like that and then McCartney songs like When I'm 64, Bouncy, and happy and cheerful and it's such a variety of songs uh, go ahead yeah i was gonna jump in there yeah it's definitely a big weird kaleidoscope of all these you know very psychedelic 60s different styles and tastes mm -hmm. all over. yeah mm -hmm. i will say that that is an interesting Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, you're so knowledgeable. You know, you probably know all this already. I, I looked on the, the great uh, authoritative reference of Wikipedia, and I didn't realize how much acclaim this album had. Oh, yeah. It goes on and on about uh, the awards and how it got four Grammys, album of the year. It's on sometimes the top of top 100 albums of all time. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize all that cross generational yeah. impact. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of the most influential albums of all time. I would say mm -hmm. for my, my general thoughts, uh, I definitely felt well, maybe it's just a personal. I respect it a lot more than I like. Like, you know, mm -hmm. full body enjoy it, I feel like, you know, like all the, there's a ton of experimentation and bringing in like more avant-garde techniques into like the popular media. Mm -hmm. And like, this is yeah. 
like the guys who were engineering and producing it were just having to do all sorts of wizardry to get all the Beatles ideas into it. Like apparently at the time, this is sort of a fun story. They had just had what was called a four track recording, which meant that you could uh-huh. like record four parts of the tie at a time. And then they would all get sort of bounced onto one track. And then you would be able to like record four more at a time and then add those on, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you're doing as many different instruments and sounds as the Beatles, you would end up losing a lot of quality. So they have to use a lot of different tricks to try to get as much onto the tapes as possible. They were having to do all okay. these weird manipulations and all this. And it was just a lot of cool stories. But, mm. uh, and like what for it being. Heard? One that I heard about the very last song, that day in the life, which is really on there after the the concert per se is over. I read that it was supposed to make a contrast between this world of Sergeant Pepper and real life. It was supposed to be more like real life, but there's this one part where all the, they've got this orchestra and all the instruments are just, making this big racket, you know, and it was, yeah. I've heard that that was just every instrument going from low as it was high to low or low to high. Now I can't even remember, but it was like every instrument just went from as low as they could, let's say to as high as they could. There was no <laughs> music, you know, they, they were just yeah. trying to make this really loud sound and they wanted the effect of the end of the world or something like that. So very creative in so many ways. I mean, some little things that I like is that rooster when they sing that good morning song and they've got the rooster crow, the crowd noise at the beginning and the end help, help with my little visualization of being at this concert. Very creative. Yeah, definitely. And I do one other like cool thing they do is like for the bass lines that McCartney's playing throughout. Like they, when I listen really closely, it's like he's playing some great bass, which is amazing for like a pop band in the '60s. Like you don't usually get much bass, but like it's carrying this album when you listen really closely. And like apparently, one of the things they did was like they were like they would always record his bass parts at the end of the night. Like once everyone had gone uh-huh. home except for the producer and Paul and like one engineer and they would always sort of like do all these playing around with the knobs to try to get it so that it's like prominent enough that you so you can still hear it with all the stuff going around it. Mm-hmm. And like it works, it hops up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Phenomenon. And how different careers are Paul McCartney. Oh, you're breaking up and the lo- silly love songs and all that stuff and John Lennon being so political and interesting group. Yeah. yeah. From what I saw, it seemed to be this was a mostly Paul's creative direction. Like, like uh, I think Ringo and George felt, stated some, I think it was Ringo especially said that he felt like basically a session musician, like he had no creative input, which... On the one hand, it's Ringo and a Beatles album. But on the other hand, you know, compared to other Beatles, he had some. And yeah, George and John felt kind of shut out. So this is probably mm. one of those moments that really, <laughs> they break apart the Beatles. But yeah, as far as the songs go, yeah, let's see. Yeah, I have to pick favorites. Uh, let's see. If I was picking favorites, I would say there were a couple that were like, Really great or pretty great overall. 
Uh, let's see. Uh-huh. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I feel like that's sort of the mm-hmm. one where you get the album the most because it's got the weird imagery and, you know, it's sort of that floaty, whimsical, waltzy verses mm-hmm. and then it goes into the really upbeat chorus. And that was a really cool. That was really cool. Though. Of course, you, uh, of course, you know, this the scandalous story about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Oh, yes, the children's drawing. It is LSD, though, Caleb. LSD. And they Uh, try to to say it's based on the drawing, but nobody really believes it. That's been been on Facebook lately. I know your your readers are are too young and over Facebook. But it's been Julian Lennon's birthday. And... He supposedly drew the picture that inspired this song. Yeah. Just a little too convenient, though. They're having these these weird visions, and the initials are LSD. So there you go. Yeah, that is fair. But yeah, let's see. So other ones I do. I do like a hold. That was another one that was really good with the weird effects. The vocals. Which like one? That. Fixing, Which one? Fixing a hole. Breaking up on me a little bit. Yeah, fixing a hole. Yeah, I think a lot of them, though, like tended to be they didn't have like that it factor for me personally. Uh-huh. Like, uh huh. Kind of know like uh the ones like with a little hope and when I'm 64 and getting better like they were really nice like you know they're the very uh-huh. idealist Beatles you know the ones that are like. Peace and love, and we're all gonna be friends and hold hands and sing kumbaya. And like, they're uh, really nice. They are just, but they're just a little bit too saccharine, I guess, for my personal taste. Yeah, you they, know what I wrote about getting better was it sort of reminds me of the Partridge family. And that's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I could just, I could just picture Shirley Jones back there on the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. In her leisure suit. Yeah, it was it was a bit of cheese. It's it's a fun sort of cheese. Like I, like one yeah. of her, it's been pointed out that like they have the conviction to pull it off and the like you know artistic guts to make it more than just like like a forgettable. It's not forgettable at all. It's just you know, but also there's mm-hmm. like the, there's some very dark element when you think about John Lennon turning out to be such a terrible person with getting better mm-hmm. and some of the lyrics in there it's like yeesh mm-hmm. you should not be singing this good sir but uh mm. a few of them let's see she's leaving home that was the that was one of the sad ones i don't know i that one i just end up comparing it to eleanor rigby too much since they're both they're like made with him released within like a year of each other and they're both the sad Beatles yeah. song with violins like that Oh, no, Eleanor Rigby's this 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 isolated person. You know this the she's living home character. She's meeting somebody. She's having fun. Yeah. I think it's a, I mean there's sadness. The parents are sad. Yeah. And don't understand. But I think the person that leaves is trying to get their own life. Eleanor Rigby. Oh man, it's that one's so sad. Yeah, yeah. that is fair. Yeah, I definitely. That is definitely fair. It's more of like the personal fears in my head. You do bring up a good yeah. point. Like, like the big thing about the album seems to be like 
the beauty of human connection and like you know being able to lean on each other and have love and like not be mm-hmm. not be isolated and so that's why so many of them are about like you know you know love and getting a little help getting better and all this which brings up right yeah which brings up within you without you which is the one where yeah. it's about where it's the i feel I, I like the concept i like parts of it you know I, I am with you. It's not my favorite. Like, I like the yeah. how it's a bit. It's a little bit more conceptual and high-minded than a lot of the ones on here. I like the string parts, but yeah, I think I think I played too much Super Mario sixty four. So like the <laughs> and like a lot of parts of the soundtrack have like these really bad sitars and like mm-hmm. drums, and so those sort of tainted. It's just not sound like i have the i have pretty similar feelings about the harpsichord as an instrument as the, yeah with the sitar it's just not really my thing so yeah and i feel like they were trying to work in their philosophies well that well it's more george like he was Song the main that would fit in with i don't know that was more george like this is the yeah. one song he got to write and it was like oh, okay. And like I had mentioned earlier, he wasn't really feeling it like Paul was feeling it. So he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get to write my one song. I'm going <laughs> to make it the way I want to make it. No more of this nonsense of wearing big poofy suits and having mustaches. <laughs> but you do get that. I do like the, like you mentioned, the framing device. It is a good one because, you know, it does feel like that. Like sort of weird dream vaudeville and right, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, they keep that theme kind of running through that vaudeville kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. What other songs uh, did you like or not really like? What other songs? Let's see. Trying to see one if we have that we haven't really gone over. Um. Freedom Meter Maid, that's another one that, you know, I mean, it's, it's the Beatles. Everybody knows it. A lady that worked with me was named Rita. You know, every time the music director came in, you know, he had to sing that song. <laughs> it's not like a you know, earth-shattering, groundbreaking song. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's fun. Yeah. I, th- I think if it... If they upped the tempo a little bit, made it a little faster, a little jauntier, that might be more fun. A little. Mm-hmm. But that's like my main thought. It was kind of nice. Just for like. Yeah. MZ Beatles. Mm-hmm. Paul being Paul. Right. I think that's about all my comments for that album. Yeah, let me. I can go through other big ones. Uh, okay. Uh, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, that was. They use a lot of effects. Apparently, like they like had to like chop up the carnival sound effects and reassemble them on the fly, and it just came out really good. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Good morning. I wanted to like because it has a really nice saxophone, but it was just kind of messy. Uh-huh. And then day in the life closer. I like John's yeah. part. Uh-huh. But then Paul, I think I could like Paul's part in isolation, but they follow the mm-hmm. story of the socialite dying in his car 
and John snickering to himself about death because John is uh. John. And then suddenly Paul McCartney's like, oh, I gotta go down to work because I'm Paul McCartney of the Beatles. And then John yeah, comes in again. Kind of bouncy. There's some some discord in the in the two types as your as your site here is called. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I don't know. I don't know. It would it would be really sad to just have the John part. Like I don't know if I can mm-hmm. take that as a song for closing especially for closing out this album, like Right. Pepper, it's like death will come to us all, leaving the rich and happy. Mm-hmm. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. loud, insert loud piano chords here. <laughs> yeah. That was cool. Yeah, overall, it's a good album. Uh, I don't think it's my favorite Beatles album, but very nice. Uh, it's sort of fun. Very cool effects. Mm-hmm. You know, part of me wants to say that, like, I, I don't like it as much as it, because, you know, it's like, so we live in such a post-Beatles world, and, like, you know, this is, like, the progenitor for so many of the big changes. But I'm also a huge fan of Pet Sounds. So it's like, that came out a year before this, so it's like... I guess they're just... But I like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about yours. All right. Let's get into Amplified Heart by Everything But The Girl. I'm going to pull up their okay. page real quick because I just got to double check where they're from. I know it's England. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh. Everything but the girl. They're, they were this uh, English sort of indie pop, I guess, duo from whole England, sort of in the northern area. Uh, the two members are Tracy Thorne, who's the singer, and Ben Watt, who's the producer and also instrumentalist, and sometimes he sings too. So they started, uh, they met in university, and they just started, you know, making albums. They, they did a lot of different styles, like they tried sort of a uh, pop and like sort of coffee house jazz and alternative rock and 80s pop and like sort of ballads uh, they usually mm-hmm. had you know what you'll hear on this album you know they're always grounded on tracy thorne's vocals and just being very sad and downbeat but in like sort yeah. of a way like a big sweater and then around uh 94 with this album one of the songs uh missing gets a dance remix that becomes absolutely huge uh it's Stays uh-huh. at number two for like months, and the only reason it didn't go to number one was because "Once We Date" by Mariah Carey and "Boys to Men," one of the biggest songs of all time, was the number one song at the moment. So they weren't gonna uh-huh. jump over that. But uh, it ends up like I think last I checked, it's like number eleven for songs that have the longest stay on the Billboard Top 100. So it was absolutely huge wow. in the nineties. Yeah. And so the last two, they record two more albums that try to like capitalize on their big hit being a Nancy mix and they have more of electronic sound. But eventually they just sort of decide, eh, we're good with this. Uh, mm-hmm. They pack it in. Uh, they both do like solo work now. And it turned out that the entire time they were a couple and now they're married with kids. So good for them. 
Very nice. That is happy, happy story for them. Yeah, good on you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amplified Heart. This is a pretty standard everything but the girl album. You get a lot what you get from their sort of 80s and early 90s output, which is sort of jazzy, lower pop beats, very subdued, and mm -hmm. Tracy Thorne having cried her eyes out the last night, and now she's meeting you for coffee and regaling uh -huh. you with her life story. So that's pretty much. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so what would be your general thoughts or any particular favorites for you? It it was something that I at first listen I thought well this is lovely but it's hard for me to get a handle on it. Uh, it seemed like it would be like great background music for like a romantic dinner. And then as I looked at the lyrics, that was sort of ironic because every song was about being alone and losing your love, you know, your boyfriend, and <laughs> not being understood. Uh, they lead a love life. life these, these yeah. Right. So I guess, you know, Missing sounded kind of familiar. That was my era, right? You know, 94, I was adult, married, but I, you know, tell you the truth, we were really listening to a lot of country at that time. That time was huge for uh, country music. So I, I remember missing sort of, it reminded me of the uh, Sade, Sade, I never really knew how to pronounce her name. She was yeah. bigger. And it was really this same style. And I kept thinking, that reminds me of Sade. And I, and when I looked at Wikipedia, I was very proud of myself because they're putting the same genre, sophisticated pop, sophisticated pop, I guess. And even had some of the same engineers and the same producer sometimes. So, yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I picked up on that. Yeah. Let's see. As far as now, as far as uh, things that I liked about them, when I sat there last night and I had the lyrics up as I kind of went back through each one, and they're not formulaic at all. You you said something in your description that you sent me about poetry or poetic, and some of them look at the lyrics look like some kind of a poem there's not a ton of lyrics um so that was that was that's a big positive for me it's not like verse chorus verse chorus bridge you know it's uh they were doing their own thing on the lyrics and i think there's i think that tension between this the romantic dinner soundtrack and the set lyrics is kind of an interesting tension so those are really positives. Let's see. Favorites. Get me. I like get me. It had, I like any of them that have more of the harmony. I really like harmony. Uh, I guess if somebody's going to be singing by themselves, I want like a bigger voice. I kept thinking about Katie Lang also from the nineties. And she had some of these same 
Not same. There was some similar orchestra, not orchestration. The, the music on hers was kind of similar, but she's got this big dramatic voice. Uh, so I kept wanting that singer's voice to do something else, you know. Uh, so I guess that's a big negative for me. Her voice is lovely, but it doesn't grab me at all. So whenever the guy would also sing, I would like it better. Let's see. Get me. I, I like the sound of it, but the, the message of it is so sad. Like the singer saying they want to be crazy in love, but it feels like the other person will never love them as much. And it's just sort of tragic. Uh, oh, yeah. This is whew, quality sound. Looking at it. Yeah. Well, I, I've just listened to this album a fair number of times. So. Mm-hmm. When your question to your lover is like, "Do you get me?" Yeah, even the the first one um, about "I'm never in your head, I'm never in your head." You know, you're not thinking about me. Uh, you know, when I'm gone, when I'm not around, I'm not really in your head. The roller coaster one. Yeah, that's the lyric that always gets me the tumultuous emotions my life is the image of a roller coaster some of these lines i don't understand it you help me with troubled mind he she said you're like a goods train running through my life because person has so much baggage is it because what does that mean I, that did give me trouble for a long, the longest time, mostly because I hadn't looked up the lyrics when I was casually listening to it, and I thought she was saying, right. like, a good stream. I, I thought she good. meant, like... Oh, good stream, she, yeah. I thought she was talking about a river, but yeah, like you say, it's a good strain. I got maybe the baggage. I also just got the image of her feeling like she's been run over by a train. Yeah. Like, just coming and if it runs through your life like you just cross the track over and over you know you can't get away from it yeah, you can't uh, yeah and they that troubled mind you know can work both ways this person sounds like they have a troubled mind and so the the one that's singing the is becoming troubled because of the other person so i i think Probably what I liked the most about it was looking at, at the lyrics and seeing the complexity of what they're saying. And I think that was the that was the most interesting, intriguing thing to me. Yeah, yeah, they're a highly lyrical band. They are they do not skimp on the singer songwriteriness. Uh, I would say doubling back to what you mentioned about the uh, right the vocals i'm a bigger fan of her style uh-huh. like i do find it like very engaging and it's a low-key voice definitely but i do find it very right. lovely and kind of thrilling right i do agree i kind of liked it when Ben came in and gave a little bit of counterpoint like, mm-hmm. like uh, i'm walking to you that was really nice and like i didn't need his voice right. on every single song because he is a little bit stockier i guess of a vocalist uh uh-huh. he could have he could have done some good harmonies or maybe let Tracy do some backing vocals for herself. And yeah. they do some they have a good harmony together. 
I guess that's him singing on the, the 25th of December. Yeah, yeah, that was. And that was sad too. I mean, it's. Yeah, I think, yeah. okay, this was about Christmas, so it'll be better, but it was about. Ask it as being about wanting to go back and redo something. But at least this person asks for help. You know, that thing about the key is there at your feet. Uh, so just a lot of sadness. I was glad when you told me that they had a, lo a long, stable marriage because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this. Yeah. Maybe this was about all their previous relationships. <laughs> I don't know how, because they started dating when they were like eighteen, or like yeah. So they didn't have a lot of time. To, but yeah, <laughs> to have all this trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. We'll we'll talk about this later. But Rachel had very similar reactions to the band I gave her when we were doing our album. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah. I think if I had to. Picks like favorites, honestly, a lot, pretty much all of them I could say as a favorite. Like the ones yeah. you definitely highlighted. Uh, I kind of like, I don't understand anything because it's just like this big throwing up of your hands and being like, right. I give up. I don't understand anything. And like, that's. I know. Of, yeah. So sad, though, Caleb. No, that's why. That's, that's why it stands out because it's the saddest one of all. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see. Well, yeah, okay. I guess another reason to love Walking to You, the track where they sort of do a duet, was just the very uh -huh. low-key nature and, like, sort of them both musing how very different ways that everything seeps circling back to each other as characters, where Ben's is more uh -huh. immediate physical reminders, where... He keeps running into people who are connected to Tracy. And it's like, is this a sign that I should be back? And like, Tracy's just been dwelling on it for so long. It's like everything ends up leading back to you because I'm just sort of stuck in my head. I'm not really in your yeah. head. So that's one. Uh, which, which, which was the one about going back to like their old street, and you, but you're not there, you're gone? Yeah, I that can't. was missing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one, I don't know, for the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the original version and the remix, I think the remix was, like, on a second release or something, but the original, it's really nice, too. It's got... The cowbell is a little bit annoying, but it's got a really sad and much more dramatic beat than you get on a lot of this. It... That one hits me personally with the idea of someone just... There was one. We walked... We walked... <laughs> Huh? Oh, I was gonna do a little bit on missing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, yeah that one sort of gets me the idea just because like I don't know there was this like a person from my college who just went totally off the grid and like we didn't know each other super well but she was like really cool and I was mm -hmm. hoping to like connect with her more but I never followed up on the opportunity while she was around and then like like I had tried to like contact her through email but. Nothing. So, like, that's that's one word sort of gets me on like a personal story level. Missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes you think about that person. Yeah. 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 
Oh yeah, let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, two star was another good one because off the same line. Okay. That was more upbeat, <laughs> at least in sound. I just uh, drive around on two star. What does that mean? Do you know? Drive around on. I can look up the lyrics to. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find exactly. I wonder if it's like a British, British thing. Yeah. I don't Let's know. Let's see. Going to the old genius.com. Uh, apparently, it's a very low grade form of petrol. So it's a get reference to gasoline. I'm like. Driving around on cheap gas. Ah, oh. okay. Dangerously. At least according to Genius, like so that's not a reliable source. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, that was an interesting one because that was a lot more bitter. Yeah, like in a much more welled up emotion than a lot of the songs on here. Uh huh. We Walk the Same Line was a little more hopeful, more upbeat. You know, it was about, I thought it was about people sticking together. Yeah, I thought I thought so too. That was sort of like the world may circumstances. Be, yeah, the world may be sad and make us write an entire 35 minutes of tears, but we're, we're in this together, babe. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a campfire yeah. song. Yeah. I thought it was a lovely album. And I'm really glad I, I took the time to to look at the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's I weird knew that, that I didn't remember that he better, but I that's about black. Let me tell you. Talk <laughs> about what? Sorry, what you were making up? Clint Black, the cup uh, singer at that, that time. Gotcha, gotcha. In '94, when this came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They were pretty. They seemed pretty obscure. Um, there was one. There was another album. There was a sound. Yeah. There's a CD I found here at home though that I've I've been listening to later that I wanted your uh, your listeners to know about. Oh, what album would that be? Um, it was called Funk 101, and it was like a it was like a mix recording by a young Caleb Clark. Remember your mix That's all the time CD? we have for today, folks. <laughs> they need to know that your that your love for music goes way back. I could not find any Caleb Rocks CDs, but I listened to Funk 101. Caleb used to have a, a stack of blank CDs on his desk at all times, and he would make CDs like and take them to the class party. This is all in elementary school. So I played uh, Funk 101, and it was—it's a really fun little CD, Caleb. You had—you um, had Macarena. Of course. Let me let the music play. Love, Love Shack. Uh, Get the start party started by Pink. And Brick House. Broad variety here. You had, had uh, 
Yeah. Simply irresistible. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of switched over. You had achy, breaky heart. And the, then the to show you, No, no. Billy Ray Cyrus, achy, breaky heart. Straight up. And then she really understood the classics. She had American Pie at the end, even though it was not funk at all. <laughs> <laughs> But it was it was it was really fun. I was listening to it in the in the car driving around, Tay. Oh, oh, thanks, man. Yep. So you've been you've been loving music a long time. Yeah. I get it from my so mom. You're singing uh, piano. Oh. I guess I sort of cut off your discussion about your album. Did you have other things you wanted to say? I was just going to, uh, I think the only one we didn't touch on was Disenchanted, and I was just going to say I like the saxophone when it shows up in all forms. So, Oh, yeah. Was the last track before we get uh-huh. the remix. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. yeah, there's no vocals on that one, too. Yeah. Must have been some, some harmony. Yeah. 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 Let's see. The only other thing I thought about that I wanted to mention was in in listening to these shows, <laughs> seems like your guests, you too, and your guests have all a lot of detailed knowledge about singers and all these different styles and and methods and just so all this extra knowledge about technical things and people's motives and just all this stuff and i just wonder why your experience of the people of your generation i guess have this different experience of music from i had and i talked to somebody else my age today and they were like me they just like a song or they don't you know and not don't really go into all that and i think part of it is that you've grown up with so much access to so much information that mm-hmm. as i was a younger person starting to consume music we just didn't have it i mean you can't you can't understand how how important that cassette jacket was when you got your cassette tape and you pulled out that paper and read all that stuff, that's all there was to know. I mean, if your your band might be in a magazine, they might be on a talk show, and that was it. That was all you had. You didn't have all this information about them and how they make their album and, and everybody they ever dated and every comment they ever made. It just wasn't, it didn't exist. And so I think that experience and the way we experienced music and how much more difficult it was, you know, you'd, you'd like a song, so you'd, you couldn't just pipe it in somewhere and have it immediately. You know, you had to go buy it. You had to request it on the radio or even when you had this cassette, it was a real pain to Fast forward to just the right <laughs> spot. <laughs> so, 
I, I think that might be why people in their 20s, you know, in, in your range, 20s, 30s, that have always had this access to the Internet and all this information. Yeah. Look for all this. Look beyond just what you hear and how it makes you feel. And dig around behind it and around it. And so yeah. all, of that, all of that becomes part of your opinion about these songs. And that was just something that very few people in my youth, we just, we didn't do that. We didn't have that. So that's been interesting to think about too. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. I don't think I could really, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. I, I, that's what I would probably say, yeah, is like the big driving, mm-hmm. as far as yeah. like access and stuff. Like we could dabber on about philosophy of music and celebrity and stuff, but yeah, I think that's what yeah, it's not that either either one is good or bad. I was just thinking, why is it so different? Yeah. And I, I think that's it. Just you just you can you know you look at music that yeah. way because you can because you have that information. Yeah. And also because all my friends are nerds who have been locked in the house for the past year. <laughs> and what else are they gonna do, right? <laughs> well, time to find out all I can about the cardigans. <laughs> So, well, that's about all I've got, babe. Well, about me, too. Thank you for boosting the credentials of my co-host. And that's about, yeah. all the time yeah, that's about all the time we have for today, folks. The albums we listened to were Sgt. Pepper and the Lonely Hearts Club Band by The Beatles and Amplified Heart by Everything But The Girl. I'm Caleb Clark. And I'm Shannon Clark. And thank you for listening to the Billy Sears Club. <laughs>